You are listening to the Mother Good Podcast, episode number 49. I'm your host, Emily Carney. We at Mother Good believe that there's no way to be a perfect mom, but many ways to be a good one. Our content is judgment-free within the context of evidence-based research. This episode is sponsored by usualwines.com. Go check out their website at www.usualwines.com and use our discount code MOTHERGOOD for $8 off your first order and try your first glass of wine on us. One thing I really like about Usual Wines is that their wine comes in single-serve portions. Every bottle is 6.3 ounces, so that's basically a heavy pour or about a glass and a half of wine, which is perfect for someone like me whose husband doesn't really enjoy bubbly wine. And so now I can finally just have my glass of bubbly wine and not have to just waste the rest of the bottle. Their wines come from world-class American viticultural areas in California, including Napa, Sonoma, and Santa Barbara. And another thing that I love about Usual Wines is that they are low carb and have zero grams of sugar. I just discovered recently that wine in the U.S. is allowed to have over 60 additives and that sugar is allowed to be added into wine. But Usual Wines only uses the sugar from the grapes themselves and then they ferment the wine until there's no more sugar left in the wine. So that's how you get a wine with zero grams of sugar. So be sure you go check out Usual Wines wines at www.usualwines.com and use our promo code MOTHERGOOD for $8 off your first order. Hi, Kelly. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm so excited to have you on. I've been following you for a few months now and actually following your page helps me pick out my first car. So I'm hoping that everyone listening, it'll help them pick out their first mom car as well. So before we dive into our topic today, just like you to introduce yourself, you know, say where you're from, your career, and a little bit about your family. Sure. So my name is Kelly Stumpy, and I am from St. Louis, Missouri, born and raised here. My family owns um, six, my dad and his uncle own six car dealerships in the St. Louis area. They're the second generation, making me the third generation. Um, I decided to join the car business after college. I was a little hesitant at first, just because I had seen my... Um, now husband, then boyfriend, try to sell cars and be very unsuccessful at it and basically hated it. So I was kind of nervous, but my dad really wanted me to give it a try. So right out of right out of college, I went to go sell BMWs. And it was, I was, like I said, very nervous because I had never bought a car before. Since my family's always been in the car business, we've driven what's called a demo car. So we've never had to go through the car buying process. I've never seen my parents go through it. And here I am, 22 years old, trying to sell $80,000 BMWs to people twice my age, three times my age. So it was a little intimidating, but I really took to it. I really enjoyed it. I worked really hard at it. And my third month selling cars, I became salesman of the month, which means I had the most cars out for the month, which was a super huge accomplishment. And I was so excited. Um, but the car business, while it is so much fun, it is so much work and the hours are horrible. It's three evenings. It's, we had to work till nine, three nights a week. We had to work every Saturday. So we had three 12 hour days and then two 
eight to nine hour days. And then a lot of the times you would have to come in on your day off to clean up deals from the previous day. So as I got married and once me and my husband decided to start having children, I transitioned out of selling full time and picked up some other like loose end jobs at the dealership, like helping out with some direct mail pieces and social media, some marketing, some sales training. Um, and then once my son George was born, he will be two in May. I went to work part time. So three days a week. And then I have been doing that. And then I got pregnant with my daughter, Hattie. And around June of this year, I decided to start the Karma. And that's kind of, I guess, a little bit of the backstory. I can't believe that you only started it last June because it's already taken off so much. And it's it's kind of funny when someone first told me about your page, I thought, because they, they were just telling me, oh, I'm addicted to it, just reading all the posts and everything. I was like, well, that's kind of weird, you know, especially <laughs> if you're not really into cars. And I, I will confess that, you know, once I started, you know, watching your tours and then reading all the posts and everything, I'm like, wow, and I can see why this is addicting. I don't know. It's probably something to do with you too. It's just a combination of you with the tours and everything. It's just super addicting and you can get really into it. So uh, that's a perfect segue to talk about your page, The Car Mom. You know, why did you start the page? And I guess, what are your goals with it? And I guess, what kind of inspired you to start it? Sure. So like I said, I started it June 10th of this year, twenty or of last year, 2020. And when coronavirus hit in March, I was very nervous. I was 12 weeks pregnant. You know, it was the world was it was such an uncertain time, and I know we're all tired of talking about it. But it was very uncertain, and car businesses, car dealerships were deemed essential, so we remained open, but we had to like come into the dealership still. So there wasn't any working from home. I was pregnant. We had a baby at home, so I decided to like self furlough myself because I just wasn't comfortable going into the office. So I took a couple months off work, stayed at home with my toddler. Was exhausting, exhausting. All stay at home moms can relate. All moms can relate. I mean, it was it was a lot of work. So when I went back in May, I kind of had that feeling of, okay, the world kept turning without me. And it was really disheartening because I had started all these projects. I was working on all these things. I left. Some other people that I work with didn't leave. And when I came back, I felt like they didn't need me anymore. And I was like, oh, dear, what am I doing? I would go to work and I would feel like I wasn't contributing a lot. And then that was taking away time for my children. So I was just kind of feeling a little upset about that. So I was talking to my husband um, and he was like, Kelly, just start over. Just focus on selling. Just focus on moms. You're a mom. Focus on just selling cars to moms. And he meant just sell cars to St. Louis moms, make appointments, just try to sell cars. And I was, it just really instantly hit me. And I was like, oh my gosh, or I could help moms all across the country find their right mom car. And the idea just kind of came from See, I mean, we're all in Facebook groups and people ask about what's a good mom car? What mom car should I get? And I would always hop on there and say, car salesman here. And I would give my two cents on the topic. And I realized there just wasn't a platform or anybody reviewing cars for mothers and for women. And I was so shocked to find that out because everyone not, I mean, we all go get, we all go get new mom cars once we, once we, um, have children and expand our families. So the fact that there was nobody talking about that aspect of the car business really just shocked me. There's also no one reviewing cars for women or for even like non-car people. So I'm not a car person. I'm really not. I like the comfort a vehicle gives me. I like the convenience and the safety, but I don't really care about cars or the performance of cars. And I felt like this, the platforms available on the internet were 
you're either a car guy or you're a car girl. But either way, you care about sports cars. And there was nothing for the rest of us and just no one helping the rest of us. And as we were going through the pandemic and I realized how hard it was to take your toddler anywhere, I really started to sympathize with these mothers who would have to take their children to car dealerships because I love car dealerships, but I know that they are one of people's least favorite places on the planet. And I know the process of buying a car. So I just had these images of my head of these poor mothers going to a Toyota dealership, unloading all their kids, meeting some sales guy they don't like, giving the sales guy their license, having him call them for the next 30 days. Also, they could look at a Toyota Highlander and realize their stroller doesn't even fit. And I just <laughs> thought, I have to be able to streamline this process and save mothers some time. I, the goal of my page is not to like help you make your final decision on a mom vehicle, but I want to just take cars on and off your list. I want you to just, here's the space, here's like a sneak peek of it, here's what the interior, exterior looks like, do you want to go test drive it? And I think I've been able to take people's list from five, six, seven cars to only having to test drive two or three, which makes me so happy because I know I'm saving people so much time and frustration. It's so true. Everything that you were saying, especially when we started looking for cars and we didn't realize that the car that my husband currently has and he had gotten in the past and we both thought, you know, it's a, it's a midsize SUV, I guess you could say, but we're, we're just assumed that it could fit more than one car seat. And then we didn't realize until we were pregnant with our second thinking, wait a minute, this doesn't fit more than one car seat. And we were just shocked because you would think that an SUV even if it's a smaller size one could fit more than one car seat, especially like rear facing those sorts of things. And it wasn't until I found your page, just as you were saying that I realized that a lot of cars aren't even made for car seats or, you know, like having more than one car seat, or maybe there's just not enough, a lot of space. And uh, I was just shocked to, to find all that. So you're exactly right. You know, following your page has helped whittle away some other cars that we were considering and we're, we're realizing, wow, you know, even though these are SUVs and you would assume that they could carry or hold, <laughs> you know, or accommodate, I guess, more than two or two or more kids that they really don't, yeah. especially when you consider like trunk space and all those sorts of things. It's crazy that these cars are pegged as family vehicles. They're advertised as family vehicles. They're sold as family vehicles and they just really aren't. And yeah, like you said, I mean, you, it's your first, it's your first right. child. You think, oh, well, it's this, we, we can grow with this. We can have two kids in this car. And then you just realize you can't. And it really puts people in not great financial situations because they, they're forced to get a new car and they probably just bought that car. So then they're forced to carry over negative mm-hmm. inequity or even just have a car they're not safe with drive, you know, not as safe as they could because they're stuck in the wrong vehicle. So I'm very passionate about especially helping first time moms really forecast the next six years of their life and make sure, you know, sometimes it's kind of like a house. It's like, yeah, you don't need three right. bedrooms right now, but you're going, you might eventually. So you don't need three rooms yeah. right now, but you might eventually. <laughs> yeah. That could quick, quickly change. You know, you could quickly get pregnant in two years, need a different yeah. size car or house or whatever. So in your mind, what is a mom car? You know, I guess we, we talked about accommodating car seats, uh, trunk space. Well, I guess what's on your list of must haves for someone to have a mom car, depending, I guess, on how many kids they have. So it's, it's so funny because there's really not a perfect mom car. If there was a perfect mom car, like the drop-off line would look the exact same. Everyone would be in the same exact car. There's <laughs> just not. And 
what I also like to kind of bring to my page is I don't want women to feel like they're stuck in what America says is their mom car or what the manufacturers say of their mom car. So, you know, there's a huge debate on my page about minivans versus non-minivans. Almost 70% of my followers, because I've pulled them multiple times, don't want to be in a minivan. So that's great. So you ha- there's plenty of other options that don't put you in a Honda Odyssey. And I feel like sometimes that isn't always translated to mothers. Um, because why we have to drive our kids around, we are in the car more than a lot of the times our husbands or our partners are in their vehicle. When the family goes somewhere, you take the mom car or the family car. So it's got to be a car that is functional, but it should also be a car that you feel good about and that you feel good driving. And if you don't want to be a minivan mom, you don't have to. And if you do, then you absolutely can. So I think when looking for your perfect mom car, you definitely have to put you definitely first have to check the boxes of what are your must-haves. You have to be able to fit your car seats. And it's not just fitting the car seats, it's it's the logistics of getting everybody buckled. So I can tell you that you could put four car seats in a Volkswagen Atlas, but when you really think through, okay, what does that third row look like though? Who's going in the third row? Can you buckle the kid in the third row? Can they buckle themselves? And will they will the will your situation change in year four or five? One thing that I tell people to do is if you're going to finance a car for um, 60 months five years, you have to figure out where everyone is going to be sitting throughout your entire term of your loan. So I literally tell people to draw it out. So year one, I've got, let's, I'll use my kids for example. I've got George in the front seat, rear face or second row rear, rear facing. And I've got Hattie rear facing and then draw every single year. When does George go to a forward facing car seat? When I have baby number three, will George be ready to go to the third row or will I do a three across situation? When George is forward-facing, will he be able to buckle himself? How is he going to get into the third row? Is he going to have to enter through the trunk? Just really thinking through every stage of your kids' lives is so important to making sure that car is going to grow with your family, I think. That's so true. And just as you were talking about uh, kind of mapping it out, my uh, going back again to the example of my husband and his car, you know, he got it right before we got married. And so we're sort of thinking about it, but not really seriously. Uh, but it's funny because when we went to the car dealership to buy, I guess you could say, you know, my, my mom car, um, <laughs> we rode in his car and I had to like sit against the dashboard basically <laughs> just to fit both car seats. And I was so uncomfortable. I was like against the, the windshield basically. And I was like, I'm so glad this is our only trip in this car to, basically to like go to drive to get. Than the new car. The new car. Because so share with us what car was it that didn't work? Uh, so the Mazda CX-5. He had. I was going to guess yeah. a Mazda CX-5, Emily. <laughs> I really was because that is one of the most deceiving cars. Yeah, it, it looks, definitely is. It looks so much bigger. I've done a tour of a CX-5 and I I could not put a rear-facing seat behind me. Yeah. No, not exactly. even like a, oh, it's a little tight. I had to move my feet up a little bit more. It's like, no, it's it <laughs> absolute no. Especially, I guess, with the year that he got, he has a 2016 and our friends, they have a 2015, I think it is. And apparently there's like a few more inches in the one that they have compared to ours. And ours is basically like the worst year for space between the first and the mm-hmm. second row. And because they were saying like, yeah, it's kind of tight with two kids. And, but you know, when we get our third, we're definitely going to have to get a new one. And then we tried it out. We're like, what the heck? Like, how are they making this work? And then right. like, yeah, th- there's just no way. Um, 
but yeah, it's just it's so deceiving, just as you said. Uh, it, it's yeah, mind boggling. And I find it even more frustrating that it is just a couple of inches. <laughs> right. So we're not we're not off by feet, Mazda. So <laughs> did you not put a rear facing car seat in the back before you? That's where I just my jaw just hits the floor sometimes when I look at how poorly these cars have been designed right. because it's not, I'm not asking them to make it two feet longer. I'm saying I need like four more inches, right? Four inches. Exactly. Yeah. I know. I don't know what it is about. I think maybe like the, the front of the car is like the hood is super long on those cars Super long. and maybe it's the hood. They could just like shorten a bit. I mean, it's fun to drive without kids. It's just yeah. <laughs> it's not, not that good. And it's super reliable too. So we really can't complain about it. Definitely. So. So why do you think that it's important that moms are empowered to car shop and negotiate a great deal? It's funny because um, for the mom car that we got, uh, I actually did a lot of the negotiating and shopping around and I, you know, basically made the deal, which I really wasn't planning on doing. But I, you know, I was on maternity leave towards the end of my pregnancy and I really didn't have a a lot going on. Well, I really couldn't do a lot because I was just sitting around since I was so large and uncomfortable. So I'm like, well, I'll just call these car dealers and shop around. Uh, But why why do you think it's important that moms are empowered to, to be able to do that? Well, I think that, so when you look at the statistics and it's, it's mother, but it's also women in general, women make 50% of the car purchases on the road. It's half of the cars that are being sold, women are driving. And they're involved in 80% of the decisions for every car that gets sold. So those statistics alone just speak to why every car dealership should 100% put put the mother and the woman's opinion very highly. Um, But I think as far as being empowered is concerned, I think it's so important to feel comfortable and being able to advocate for you and for your children to make sure the car works for your family. Car salesmen, a lot of them are great people, but they are trying to sell a product and they are not child passenger safety techs. They do not know if your car seat can safely fit in there. They don't know. They're going to pull up a car and they're going to be like, yeah, there's plenty of room for car seats. And they might even tell you, oh, I've sold this car. I've sold 20 of these. People have fit three car seats in it all the time, but they just don't know. And you should not take their advice. You have to test out your car seats in the car. And I have never, I work, I know a ton of car salesmen. I work with a ton of dealerships. I would never, I would, I've never heard of a dealer telling you, you can't do that. Right. And if you ever have experienced that, then you should not give your dealership the business. <laughs> you, are, you absolutely have the right to put your car seats in there and put them in the second row and spend one hour, two hours trying out the different combinations, kind of like I talked about earlier, making sure that, okay, when that gray coextended fit is forward facing and it's in the third row, does it fit? Can you secure it tightly? Can you access the third row with it? Can your child buckle themselves? And really just, you have to be able to have the confidence and the knowledge and the resources to make sure the car is going to fit. And I don't want, I, I see people get sold a lot. Um, and take salespeople's, you know, word as from their experience. And it's just not, it it won't set you up to be in a good situation, if that makes sense. Definitely. Um, Well, I was surprised even that a lot of cars can't safely fit three car seats across like a second row. That's something mm -hmm. that I was really shocked. I was, you know, kind of tuned into it on, I think one of your, your tours of, of one car. And then I, I found another page, I think for car seat safety, those sorts of things. And I was just shocked that, you know, a lot of the cars can't 
fit it safely when you consult like the car seat manual, all these sorts of things. And then that in and of itself narrowed down our choice selection because we really wanted the second row to have three across. And that basically took a lot of cars out of the, you know, out of our consideration, just that fact alone, because of the, I guess the overlapping car seats. I will say a mistake that I do see some families make, and I'm not a CPST, I'm getting my certification, but it won't be complete until April. So I can't technically give car seat advice yet. But what I see a lot of families do is they have their car seats and they're trying to find a car that fits Hmm. their car seats. In reality, could also choose the choose the safest, most reliable car you can afford and then budget a little bit extra for new car seats. I had to do the same thing. And it sucked, but I had I had to spend $1100 on three car seats, but I could have car seats that can fit in almost any car. So just as you're as you're car shopping, I would put the car first. Don't take your if you really are set on and your research tells you this is the safest car for my family, just because I can't fit three Graco's <laughs> across the bench doesn't mean you can't fit three Clex right. across the bench or some of the di- – I mean, there's other car seats. So I would just encourage people to focus on – it's kind of like what comes first, right. the chicken or the egg. I don't know if there's necessarily a right or wrong answer. Like I love my car seats. I have Clex car seats. With my research and the people I've consulted, those to me are the car seats I want to use. So I want to use those car seats. So then I would take those car seats and decide which car I'm going to buy based on how my car seats fit. If you're not married to your car seats, if you feel like, you know, there might be some better ones out there, then find the car first and then worry about the Right, car seats. exactly. Yeah, my sister's in a similar situation because her her she can fit three across in the second row, but she has to get like narrower seats or car seats or whatever in order to fit that. So kind of the same thing but it makes sense because a car is so much more expensive than a car seat so why wouldn't you structure it that way it makes a lot of sense and it yeah it is funny because i see people say do you know that if uh if these three car seats can fit across this uh nissan pathfinder and i'm like probably not they're like okay the car's off my list i'm like but but other other ones probably (laughs) can so that would just be one thing I'd encourage. So the what, what are some ways a mom can shop around for a car to get the best deal? I guess my, my story, I don't know even if I did it the right way, but I basically just like called tons of dealers <laughs> and tried to get the best one and then had some match, you know, <laughs> try to get it writing and have some match the others. I'd love to hear how you recommend, especially for moms to, to get the best deal. Sure. So I am very passionate about the car buying process. And I think I, I'm able to bring a unique perspective because I do sell cars for a living. I sell by appointment right now. Um, and I would say the number one way to just improve your car shopping experience is to choose your salesperson ahead of time. So instead of what I see a lot of people do is they just show up to the dealership, they get out of their car, and then they let a salesperson come and greet them. When you're doing that, you're putting the salespeople in control You're letting and you're letting them decide if they want to work with you or not. You're also probably not getting the best salesperson at that dealership because the good salespeople work by appointment, are busy, and they're not waiting. And I, I can say this because I'm in the business. They're not waiting outside, smoking a cigarette, you know, on their third energy drink, waiting for you to show up. We call them like, we like the term is we use like car sharks. So <laughs> I would just... I don't want you to pull up to a car dealership. You see that guy. He's like, okay, I'm going to go work with them. Oh, yeah. 
they're going to need a car because she's pregnant. So they've got to buy today or whatever. <laughs> don't let that, don't, don't let them choose you. There's a website. You can either one read Google reviews about a salesperson, or there's actually a website called dealer Rater, And it's a platform that allows people to rate individual salespeople. So my number one tip would be to go on dealer Rater, read reviews about salespeople, and then schedule an appointment with a specific salesperson. So if you want to give um, your business to another woman or perhaps a mother or just someone who has 200 five-star reviews, work with that salesperson. They're going to be more knowledgeable about the product. They're going to probably be more upfront and transparent with you. And you're just going to have an overall better experience. So for sure, that's my number one tip. Um, as far as like getting a good deal, I would say that uh, validation is the new negotiation. So there's no magical word tracks I could give you that would instantly give, give you $2,000 off the car. If you want to, so w- when you start your car shopping process, it's very important to look at the car you're interested in and then compare that to other dealerships or to other websites. It sounds like you did something similar. So if you're looking at a 2018 Honda Pilot, okay, it's listed for X amount of dollars on this lot. Here's one 200 miles away with a similar price. Here's what the Kelly Blue Book retail value is. Do your research, and then when you go to the dealership, if you want to make a lower offer, make sure you can validate why you're making that offer because the dealership is going to be able to do that for you. Mm. We spend thousands of dollars every month to make sure our cars are priced appropriately. Wow! Because of the, the internet and just way things work, it would do us no no favors to price a car two thousand dollars higher than everybody else. So if you come to me and you're like, "Well, can you take two thousand dollars off?" I'm going to say, I can't because we have the lowest price in 200 miles. Here's the retail value of the car. Here's the NADA. And I'm going to be able to literally take papers and show you why I, the dealership, why I'm justifying my price. And if you can't do that back, then you're not going to have any ground to stand on. I also tell people that don't worry about the discount. Worry about the deal. We Our margins in the car business are so small. I mean, so small. Most, not a lot of the time we end up losing money on the car because we just have had it for too long. We've had to um, discount it so heavily. So if you don't get any money off the car, but your research tells you, yeah, this is the best price in 200 miles with the equipment and color I want, you got a good deal. So don't, just because they didn't take any money off the price of the car, don't let that get to you. And I think I always laugh because everyone will tell me stories like, well, my father-in-law says you should, you should never take their first offer and that you should leave. And See if they'll call you later. Well, my uncle's bought 10 cars. And I tell him, well, I've sold thousands of cars. And I'm telling you, we don't have the margins. And most of the time, if the dealer lets you leave, you already have their best price. Not always, but for the most part, if they let you leave, it's because they can't discount the car anymore. We have all of these software programs that tell us how many people are looking at our car. It even predicts when we're going to buy the car. So if we know we've got 200 leads on that car in the past 12 days, we know we're projected to sell it by the weekend. So we're not really worried about you wanting to, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be harsh, but we're not really worried about you not wanting to buy it for that price because we know we're going to sell it for that price. So just don't get caught up in the discount and just focus on the deal. That would be my second piece of advice. I didn't realize until I was listening to you on your your Instagram page that the margins are so small on cars. That was something that was I was su- pretty surprised on. I don't know where this comes from, where a lot of people think that you can get you know thousands of dollars off a car in order to get the best deal. So I, I was pretty surprised by that. And I think people are also surprised to learn um, 
about how salespeople, for the most part, get paid. Obviously, some dealerships might have different pay plans, but it's not like a real a realtor gets paid. We don't get paid on the price of the car. We get paid on the profit that the dealership makes. So I I don't make more money if I sell a $100,000 BMW than I do if I sell a $20,000 Honda Pilot. It's all about what the dealership owns the car for and what you buy the car for. And then we get a percentage of that. So if we make $1,000 off the car and I get 20%, I get $200. Yeah, it's, it's just so surprising. And it, it makes sense because after I knew that and then we were car shopping, uh, I noticed that a lot of the car salespeople that they're they're actually not even trying to sell us like the most expensive car. I mean, not like the cheapest, but I feel like they're mostly selling us kind of the cars in the middle of the price yeah. range. And they're even saying, oh, you know, a lot of people are realizing they don't need the the top package or whatever, because you can, these features kind of cover it. And so I did notice that, that they- Which I, I love that. I think that's done such, so much good for our industry because yeah, then the salesperson really can give an honest opinion on which trim level. They, they don't have to upsell you the top of the line package because they don't make more money. I like that you were saying too about just think about the best deal and then also just have a conversation with the car dealer because uh, that's something that I really wasn't thinking of asking questions. I just assumed, oh, they're just trying to sell me the most expensive car. But then when I realized that that wasn't necessarily the case, then I just started asking questions like, okay, well, why is this car so much more expensive than that car? It seems like the same, you know, why is it yours a few thousand dollars more? And then they would come back and say, Oh, well, that's because it has this package. And then I say, okay, well, I don't care about this package. And then they say, okay, well then here's this other one. I guess just more educating myself on what the different models had and didn't have, because it, it just says, you said that you're not a car person. Like I'm not a car person. Like I don't really care if it has like luxury necessarily features. I just wanted safety features and those sorts of things. So, and I, and I do agree. And that's so hard when you're starting the process to, to compare the cars competitively. It really is. And while they, a lot of these websites, there's one website, um, what is it? Car gurus. When they say like good deal, bad deal, or average deal, and they literally tell you what they think it is. And I hate that website because it doesn't take into it's that's just a formula. So they're saying an 18 um, Volkswagen Tiguan with 40,000 miles is this price, but it doesn't take into account the condition or the Carfax on the vehicle. So that's it says great deal. And the airbags were deployed and the vehicle had to be towed and it's got four (laughs) owners. That's not a great deal. That's a horrible car. I would never buy that car. So it's. Right now, you just yeah, you just you have to put in the hours and do your research, and you can also ask the dealer to justify their price. So, well, you know, I noticed that some were. Th- you could say something like, "Well, I noticed that some other ones were a little bit lower. Why do you guys have yours priced this high?" And then see what they say. Well, I'd love to uh, do s- sort of like mini reviews, I guess you could say, on maybe sure. your, your top three to five like new mom cars, and then used mom cars for those who are on a budget or, you know, maybe someone who just doesn't want a car payment. Yeah. So I guess starting off with the new cars, what are your, uh, your top, what do you think are the the top new, uh, mom cars? I always struggle with the, when people ask me to give recommendations only because every mom uses their car different. Everyone has different ages of kids. Everyone has a different car seat setup. So I'm going to give you how me as I'm a two under two moms, both my kids are rear facing. My daughter's in an infant seat. My son's in a 
convertible rear facing seat. And we're probably going to have one to two more kids. So I'm going to tell you how I would do it. But if you've got teenagers, if you only have one kid, if you've got six kids, obviously the situation (laughs) might be different. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Definitely. But I do think the, I think, and I stand, I could be swayed a lot of ways with a lot of cars, but I stand very firmly that I think the best large SUV is the Ford Expedition. Um, I like the Ford Expedition personally better than the Yukon, better than the Tahoe, better than um, those two vehicles because it has one, what's called a car seat friendly tilt. So if you have a car seat installed in the bench, you can actually still access the third row with a car seat there. That's huge. The Yukon and, um, sorry, the Suburban, that's what I was thinking of, don't have those. I also like that Ford puts middle headrests in or they put headrests in their middle seats. The other products do not do that. So when you don't have a headrest there, it makes it very dangerous for anybody to sit there because in the event of a collision, that person is going to get whiplash 100%. There's no headrest. There's nothing to protect them. I don't even know how it's illegal that they can still do that. Hate that. Um, And then finally, the Ford Expedition is just set up better for car seats. They have some car seat setups like lower anchors in the third row and the other two do not. So by far, Ford Expedition for the large SUVs. When you get to the um, more mid-size SUVs, those are like the most popular cars out there right now. Every brand seems to be coming out with them. A lot of that is going to depend on personal preference because there's so many different there's just so many different models out there. If you're wanting to do a lot of car seats in a smaller SUV, I think the Volkswagen Atlas is by far the best. It's got such a wide bench. It's got a good third row. So if you have like two or three, three or four car seats, Volkswagen Atlas for sure. If you've got two car seats, sky's the limit. What do you like? It's really a matter of personal preference. I love the Hyundai Palisade because I think it's so up to date on the technology and such a good affordable car to get a lot of bells and whistles. I also, I do love the Volkswagen Atlas. It's probably my favorite, my personal favorite. I love the Volvo XC90. I like the Subaru Ascent. Um, I like the Kia Telluride. I mean, I really like them all. Whenever I don't mention a car, everyone's like, well, what about the GMC Acadia? I'm like, it's a great car. (laughs) Well, what about the Honda Pilot? I'm like, that's a great car. I can't name them all. Right. No, definitely. That that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's so true when you're talking about the one to cart, two car seat cars, there are so so many more of those available, which I guess it makes sense because most people have what, like two point whatever kids. And it just depends, (laughs) you know, do you want to be the car that can take your two kids in their four friends places or do you like you not or do you just want a five passenger car i get a lot of people asking me do you think a family of four can do a five passenger vehicle and i think yeah if you don't want to carry around their friends if you do want to carry on their friends then that's totally personal preference um right and also you know all the minivans they're all the minivans are great i don't really have a favorite i like them all for different reasons the honda odyssey is by far the best for car seats if you have four or five car seats, you have to get the Honda Odyssey. If you don't, um, the Sienna is really nice. I like the Chrysler Pacifica the best aesthetically, personally. Um, and even the Kia Sedona is a nice minivan. What was the new minivan that just came out that basically kind of looks like an SUV from the front? It's like, it's a brand new model. I think I saw a picture of it on your page. Yeah, that is... Well, so the Sienna got redesigned. The Toyota Sienna got redesigned for 21. But there's like these videos like all around the internet about the Kia Carnival. Oh, that's it. And it's, yeah. it's not coming to America, oh, though. So, like, I, or at least not yet. 
So like, I hate to tell everyone keeps sending it to me. They're like, I'm so excited. And I'm like, it's not here. It's not coming here. It's in Korea. I don't know what you want me to say. That's so funny. I was just telling my husband the other day, I was like, did you know that in other countries, I think it's like Asia, that uh, some of their SUVs have the sliding doors? Because I'm, you know, not uh, my friends have minivans, but I'm not a minivan mom type person. Um, but it's funny. It's like, I would definitely consider an SUV with a sliding door. That seems like the best of both worlds. I know. I don't know why it hasn't been undone yet. I really don't. I don't know why all cars don't have sliding doors. Personally. <laughs> right, exactly. So, so how about the, the used cars? Because uh, I know that, you know, some of my friends are on a strict budget and they don't necessarily mm-hmm. want to go for the Telluride or the Palisade, even Palisade, even though those are beautiful, gorgeous cars, but they've only been out a few years and you know, their, their yeah. price is a lot high, higher. Uh, so what about the used car? You know, if a mom just doesn't want a car payment or wants to pay all cash or just, you know, have a, you know, lower price car? Are, are there any cars that kind of stand out in the used category? Well, I think that um, the minivans depreciate a lot faster than SUVs. So if you are really looking for like the newest car with the lowest miles, the cheapest price, minivans are going to be cheaper than or more affordable than a lot of the SUVs. So that would be my first piece of advice. And then it's also helpful to look at cars that have had body style changes recently. Mm. So especially if you look at a car like uh, the Chevy Traverse, I think they had a body style change in 18. So when a car gets a new body style, it can help lower the prices of some of that previous body style. So, and I haven't, I haven't looked at the numbers specifically, but I would imagine like a 16 Chevy Traverse would be a pretty good deal right now because it's the old body style. It's now five years old. My, my biggest thing with, when looking at used cars though, is you want to make sure that if you can help it, that the mileage matches the year. So the average driver drives 12,000 miles a year. So I would be hesitant about a two-year-old car with 50,000 miles on it. <laughs> right. But I wouldn't be as hesitant with a five-year-old car with 50,000 miles on it. Uh, I think that it's – so even though that car is newer, if I had my option, even if I could get a two-year-old car with 50,000 miles on it or a five-year-old car with 50,000 miles on it, I'd probably choose the five-year-old car. Right. Just because, you know, that car was driven more consistently. It got more, it's had more service done. I'd probably choose that one. Right. I was surprised when we were looking at it because we were at first considering used cars. And then even though we ended up going with a new car, we were looking at the used cars. I was looking at the Carfax that there are a lot of rental cars or like previous rental cars. And it says one car owner, Carfax. And I was like, oh, this is great. And then I was just looking at it. It's like, only a year or two old and it had all these miles on it versus an older car that was owned by a person, you know, not, not a rental company and then had the same amount of miles. And yeah, that was kind of scary. I'm not totally, people always ask me what I think about rental cars. I don't, if a car doesn't have a ton of miles on it, I don't mind a rental car. I really don't. I drive basically a rental car right now. So I drive a demo car, which this is kind of back to new cars, but a great way to get a good deal on a new car is to ask the dealership if they have any retired demos. Mm, okay. That's the word track you want to use. That's what their employees will drive. Um, or like, you know, they're the owners or something and it's never been titled. So it's still a new car, mm-hmm. but it's got a little bit of mileage on it. But I always, I only drive a car for 5,000 miles and then I retire my demos and then they get sold as new cars at a discount. Right. So, um, and then rentals and loaners, a lot of the times those are cars that they give to service customers while the car while their car's being serviced. So I don't totally mind service loaners or rental cars. 
as long as the mileage isn't absolutely crazy. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, we, I did see some that had like the lower miles, but there are just a few that we we're looking at where it was yeah. crazy, crazy amount of miles in what, like a year or something. But it's definitely tempting mm-hmm. because the price is so low, but then I don't know. It's just kind of scary to think about. <laughs> oh, I totally agree. And really that's used cars, you know, that's the benefit of a new car is you get a little bit of peace of mind. Um, you you just don't know. And I, I've done a video on my YouTube. We don't have to get totally into it now, but it's all about car faxes and auto checks, which is basically a vehicle's report card and just how to read it, what to look for, what to avoid. Um, because it, yeah, used cars can be a little tough. I will say there's something called a certified pre-owned, which is a certified used car. You can only get certified pre-owns or CPOs at the dealership that has the manufacturer. So you can't buy a certified Kia at a Toyota dealership. But certified cars are used cars that have to go through a much more intense reconditioning process. And they have to basically pass um, a stricter test than what a typical used car were. The, the certified requirements are a lot harder than the state's requirements for right. a used car. So certified cars are a good way to know that you got a car that was properly reconditioned. I just actually sold a 2016 Kia Sedona and it was a certified car. So because it was certified, we had to replace the windshield because there was a chip. Mm -hmm. We had to replace the rear brakes because while they were at the state standards, they weren't at Kia standards. We had to put new tires on it. Again, it was at state standards, but not Kia standards. And we had to provide a second key to the, on the car too. So but if that would just would have been a used car, it would have been more affordable. It would have been cheaper, right. but it wouldn't have had all of that reconditioning done. And on top of the reconditioning, you get an extended warranty with it, which is awesome. Right. Yeah. That's that's definitely super nice. Before before we leave the topic of uh, you know the different uh, mom cars, both new and used, uh, I didn't want to forget to mention the cup holders because I know that you talk about that a lot on your page. Love <laughs> cup, cup holders and what to look for in cars. I'm starting a petition to make the industry average three because it's ridiculous. I never leave my house without a water, and then I always get nice coffee. And then what's my husband supposed to do? <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know what he's supposed to do. He has to hold his own cup. Also, like the size of the cup holders seem like why oh do they only God. make them to fit? At least the ones that I've seen, they only fit like water bottles. Don't like, get me started. Water bottles, and that's where like the especially the American brands. Ford does better, but like Chevy and GMC's cup holders are just not where they're at. They're good. They're they're fine cars, but their cup holders they're square. In the Acadia, <laughs> it's a square cup holder. It's oh, square. Wow, that's crazy. It's bizarre. The Atlas has, I think, the best cup holders I've seen. I, I what make are they bigger or because we didn't check that one out. Yeah, they're huge. Like I can fit. Um, you know those really. I post about this on my Instagram sometimes, but you know those really big Gatorade bottles. Yeah. Like the huge ones, like the huge bottom. The Atlas can fit it. The Atlas oh, wow. side cubbies can fit a fifty-four ounce water bottle. It's inspiring. It oh. really is. <laughs> I'm such a nerd, but. No, we're that's important to me. Yeah, no, we're big on hydration too. So I'm kind of jealous. We ended up getting a Chevy. Just I don't know. We kind of just have a family history of getting Chevys, but yeah, they're. Did you get a Traverse? No, we we ended up with the Tahoe. Oh, yeah, the new one. That's the new yeah. One? I know that it was like last on your list, but we're just kind of comfortable. No, it wasn't. You should have told me it's not last on my list. They should put middle headrests in. They should. I do know that. that's the only thing that's like just yeah. be careful sitting. Just 
when, when your kids are older, just don't put a kid there. Yeah, that's what we're you know planning what on doing. I mean, I guess it's fine for the next five years. Just as you were saying, you know, look what you're going to, where everyone's going to be sitting in the next five years. And we're just planning on having a car seat there for now. But it is, it is kind of annoying knowing that there's like one useless uh, seat in the car. Yeah, it just kills me. So how could a mom listening buy a car from you? I saw your exciting news about, uh, you know, your big car trailer that you just got, which looks really awesome. Um, how can a mom listening get a car from you? Um, you can. Uh, so the shipping process, we're working out some kinks because I got a huge response from it, which was awesome. But um, I'm, we're just having a little trouble keeping up with the inventory and we can very easily ship to the Midwest. The average shipping cost, I mean, I mean, I'd have to like run your exact address into our program, but it's around a dollar a mile. So oh, wow. it's, I've had like some amazing followers from like New York be like, I want to buy from you. And I'm like, no, you shouldn't though. I would love to sell <laughs> to you, but I can't justify that. If you're in the Midwest, um, definitely you can go to my Instagram and hit email and you can send me an email that way. Um, or you can just DM me. I can, sometimes I see my DMs, sometimes they get lost. So just do it a couple times. I'll see it. But that would be the way to do it. I'm trying just to stay focused on Midwest until we can work on getting our shipping costs down a little bit. But if you want a road trip to St. Louis, we have great pizza here. You wouldn't <laughs> think we're known for that, but we have great pizza and you know you can always do that. But as far as other parts of the country, I'm kind of pumping the brakes on it. Not that I don't want to, but I just couldn't look you in the face and tell you it's a good idea. I, it's just not. It's too, it's too expensive. That makes sense. And your Instagram handle is it's the car mom, right? Yes. With underscores because the car mom wasn't available. Dang it. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's okay. Well, I'd love to end our conversation, which I really enjoyed with a question that I ask every single mom who's on the podcast and it's, it's more personal. So it's just to tell us about a time that you realize it's okay to not be a perfect mom and okay to be a good one instead, of, uh, instead, along with our motto, you know, that there's no way to be a perfect mom and it's okay to be a good one instead. I love this question. When I was reading them to my husband, I read that question. He goes, ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> like, okay, well, now I got to figure out how to answer it. Um, I do have, I, my motherhood rocked me. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. I had worked 65 hour weeks in the car business and becoming a mom was way harder than that. Um, and I felt really down at first. I definitely had, I had, when my son was born, I just wasn't in a good place. I couldn't believe how hard it was. I couldn't believe how no one told me how hard it was. I was almost like mad at other moms for not telling me. <laughs> but then my mom's like, Kelly, we did, it gets better and we didn't want to tell you. <laughs> and then you see, you know, other moms just and what they're doing. It's so hard not to compare yourself. But um, I did hear a quote and it's by Leo Buscagelli. Don't know how to say it. It looks Italian. Don't be mad at me, Italians. But the quote is that um, your talents are God's gift to you, and what you do with them is your gift to God. And I have just really focused on what my God-given talents are, and I put that into my motherhood, and I've just used those. And I haven't worried about the things I do that aren't so good as a mom. And just knowing that that wasn't a talent that I was given, I don't need to worry about it. I can't, you know always have my kids in coordinating outfits and always do all of the things. I'm, I can't always play with the kids the best. My husband's way better at that. But what I can do is love them, make them feel safe, cook them good meals. And I've just, I'm just using my talents every day to be the best mom I can be. That's a great answer. I love that so much. Yeah. It takes off the pressure too to not have to be, yeah. I don't know, the Pinterest mom. If, if you're not, <laughs> it's great if you are. If you're not. And if you are, you are. Yeah. Exactly. And just, yeah, motherhood's 
Motherhood's really hard. It definitely is. Yes. It definitely was easier with my second one, which I was surprised. I was so scared to have the second one. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was a pretty easy transition, actually. Yeah, I just I just had my second too, I think I mentioned to you, and I was surprised with that as well. You know, the first was just even though she was an easier baby, like the second baby is so much harder, a harder baby, but easier in a weird way, just because I know it's, you know, newborns are really well, temporary and, and all those And like the toddler is still the hard one. Oh, and what's yes. the best part about Having the second mm-hmm. one is then the husband. My husband has to take the toddler. Right. <laughs> so it's so funny. He's like, I'm sitting here nursing a baby, like scroll on Instagram, and he has to entertain the toddler. So it's been, it's almost been a vacation. I'm not going to lie. It's true. And then um, my older one is a, is just turned three. So she's in the throes of the three-nager stage, you know, throwing. Oh, no. I've heard those are horrible. Off the ground. And so, yeah, the baby definitely, even though the baby is, you know, we still are not getting that much sleep. The baby definitely is the easier child, surprisingly. But Love it. Well, thank you so much, Kelly, for coming on the show. And I really enjoyed our conversation. And thanks again, too, for helping me shop for my first mom car. And it, I really appreciate it. And I know that everyone listening will definitely get some really good takeaways on how to shop for their first mom car or second, you know, if, if you realize that their first yeah. didn't really work out that well. So thank you so much. Or if you're a dog mom, whoever. Yeah, or if you're, whoever wants to just... Come figure out how to get a good deal on a car and you're not a car person, you're welcome. Yeah, well, thank you so much. You're so welcome.